Hey there, this is Laura. I wanted to pop in to give you an update. This episode was recorded prior to our rebranding. What was once the Read It With Whiskey podcast is now work in progress, the Laura J Live podcast. This episode reflects that traditional Read It With Whiskey format and may have information and content that has since expired or changed. Please visit laurajlive.com for more information. Enjoy the episode. Are you an author who has always dreamed of turning their book into an audiobook? Quixotic Bell Media is the audiobook podcast production company for you. They specialize in helping authors turn their books into an episodic audiobook podcast, releasing one to three chapters of their book each week. The episodic format will pull in new readers, help you grow your author brand and business, and QBM even offers help with audiobook launch strategies and monetizing your podcast. With Quixotic Bell Media, you record the audio and let them do the rest. You can finally start your podcast and audiobook without raising a finger to the logistics or time-intensive tasks. This means you'll be able to get back to what's important in your author business, your writing. So if you're interested in working with QBM, visit www.quixoticbellmedia.com for more information. Hello and welcome to another episode of Read It With Whiskey. I am your host, Laura Jensen. I am a self-published author and an avid book reader, and we are here today to talk to another self-published author all about his book. And today's guest is William R. Hinsey. He goes by Bill, and he is one of the authors that I have been looking forward to talking to for quite some time. I actually read his book, Without Expiration, back in January, and I talked about it on my Patreon secret episodes. If you have been over there, you probably heard me mention him. But I mentioned in the secret episodes that I really wanted William to come onto the podcast and talk about his book. I didn't even realize he was self-published when I originally started listening to his audiobook. But after I found out, I said, no, I got to have him on the show because I wanted to talk about how incredible his anthology of stories is. So first, a little bit about Bill. Some people run from their demons. Others sit down and have cocktails with them. William is a man who does, and he writes about the latter. Having become a writer after deciding it was the only sensible thing for a problem drinker to do, Hinsey aspires to connect with readers on an emotional level while disrupting the precepts that great writing is accessible and there is only a market for stock plots, reboots, and generic formulas. Widely published, Hinsey's work is driven by characters who are both protagonists and antagonists and who no longer create messes but have the mess. He now lives outside of Los Angeles with his wife and kids, having found solace in the notion that the only things sacred are self and spiced rum. William R. Hinsey's works have been featured by many of America's finest literary publishers, including Short Story America, Watershed, The Avalon Literary Review, Ellipsis, Oracle, Passages North, and Black Mountain Press. So he is well-known in the author community, and he has some great works. But today we, well, we'll talk about all of them, but today we're going to focus on Without Expiration. Without Expiration is a personal anthology of stories, and the tagline for this book is, Are we bad people who sometimes do good things, or good people who do bad things? Something to chew on there. The answers found in the stories of Without Expiration are often as double-sided and provocative as the question itself. Featuring work published in today's best literary journals, Without Expiration confronts loss and the passage of time in surprising ways through stories that are alternatingly funny, disturbing, bold, and absurd. 
from the tear-jerking journey a middle-aged woman undertakes while putting groceries away to a couple forced to face the disintegration of their marriage anew each time one of them awakes from a persistent vegetative state. These stories compel readers to connect with characters who are flawed and menacing and heartbroken, yet somehow retain their humanity. This book really spoke to me, and it's actually quite funny. I found it as an audiobook by accident in my library app, and I needed to find something to listen to while I made my commute to and from work every single day. Me and Bill talk about this and how ironic it is that that's why I started listening to this book. So you'll have to listen to the interview to find out the secret there. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to Read It With Whiskey, an interview podcast highlighting self-published authors. I am your host, Laura Gentinen. The purpose behind this podcast is to help authors grow their audience while also introducing readers to their new favorite authors. Let's get to know the person behind the page. Sit back, sip some whiskey, and lean in to these self-published authors. And here is a little Laura J Live update for you. I am still editing Oscillation Rising, but you guys, I'm actually editing now. (laughs) Last week, I was pretending to edit. I really didn't even put pen to paper. I have about, I had about 52,000 words in the first draft. I want to get it up to 70,000. And over the last few days, I've added about 1,000 words. So I'm really excited about that. And that is what I'm working on right now in my journey as an author, finishing this book. And July brings us Camp NaNoWriMo. So if you don't know what NaNoWriMo is, I talk about it quite a bit here because that's how I've written all of my books. In November 2020, I wrote 50,000 words of Transient Pulse, and then I later edited them and published in March. In April, I participated in Camp NaNoWriMo, which is just a spinoff of the regular National Novel Writing Month, and I wrote 50,000 words of Oscillation Rising. So my plan stepping into July of 2021 was to write 50,000 words of book three, in the Shockwave series. But I'm not sure if that's gonna happen or not because that's like this week. So we shall find out. But I am trying to finish the edits of Oscillation Rising so then I can begin writing book three, which I have not revealed the title yet. That's why I'm not saying it. So we'll see how that goes. But I will say that the editing should be pretty quick. I was able to actually write the entire first draft of Oscillation Rising in about 17 days back in April. So I figured the editing should take maybe the same amount of time, maybe a little bit longer. So I really wanted this out by the end of June to the public, to the world. But life happens, things change, and things have to be postponed, and that's totally fine. But I will be announcing a release date very, very soon, so stay tuned. So that is my Laura J Live update. Now, let's get into the interview with Bill. This episode of the Read It With Whiskey podcast is brought to you by Coffee Over Cardio. I've been using Coffee Over Cardio for a really long time, and I'm so excited to be an affiliate with them. So there is a link in the bio, but if you want to go there on your own, all you got to do is use my code 10LauraJLive, that's 10-L-A-U-R-A-J-A-Y-L-I-V-E, and you will get 10% off your order. Bill, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, Laura? I am great. And Read It With Whiskey is now better because you are here. I actually was talking to my Patreon members about you back in January. When I first read your book, I listened to it as audio without expiration. So I talked to them. I was like, hey, we got to get this guy on the show. I'm going to message him, see if it happens. And it happened. You're here. And so we're so excited to have you. But before we jump into the book without expiration, let's talk a little bit about you. How did you become a writer? 
I think I became a writer because my mom loves genealogy. And I, I think this is the main thing is like, I, I have no idea the stories changed so many times over the years, like growing up listening to them, but they were always changed in some fascinating way. Like she was editing as she went. And I think it's, it's that generational game of telephone, not so much like she's just changing them. It's just things change in your brain. They change in your mind. And that combined with, I grew up in this little desert town called Palmdale. Um, everyone's there, shout out Palmdale. Yeah, and it was under construction. So it was the fastest growing town in America for like 10 wow. straight years. Like it was nothing when we moved in. And so I just played in housing tracks, you know, no kids had really moved in yet. So it's just me. And so I have no idea how many people thought I was really strange because my pen cap always was like some like spaceship attacking my <laughs> pen. And I would, that's how I would spend class. I don't, I, and I don't even write sci-fi. You would think I would have grown into a sci-fi writer, but that, that's what would happen all the time. So it just became kind of part and parcel of how I understood the world and like where I came from. So that's how I interacted with everything was through story is how I understood my past, my family was through story and it just grew that you know foster that that love of storytelling I love that the the imagination at work as a child mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I grew up like that too if I told my parents I was bored it would be like all right go do the dishes so we had to find <laughs> something to do otherwise we would do chores so yeah. I did the same thing I'd be like oh there's a tree that looks like a slide my doll is gonna yeah. slide down this tree right. and, and in my brain it was it was the coolest thing so yeah. I love that that was a very big basis of how you began your writing career that's funny I just did that with my son yesterday he was like oh I'm (laughs) bored what should I do and he's really creative he's always drawing he's always you know so I actually don't limit his tablet time because he just loves to animate and like create video games and he'll just sit and he's 10 he just he'll sit for hours just doing it he's oh I'm bored I'm like oh well you know what you can do is um all the stories you tell me go write them down uh I don't want to do that I'm like oh you know the dog the dog's dropping so he cleaned up I don't do that I don't want to do that. (laughs) I've become my parents. Like all I do, I keep finding chores for him to do. Exactly. I love it. And so speaking of chores, you do have a part-time job that you're working. You worked full-time and now you actually say that you're a writer with a side gig. So Mm -hmm. what does your your everyday life look like? Chaos, wild, (laughs) messy chaos. My family's blended. So I had two daughters when I was 20 and 21, and I was a single dad for a long time. And then 30, 32-ish, my wife and I get together. She had a daughter. So we blended our three daughters, and we had our son, William Wallace. I don't know how I snuck that name back by her, but it worked. So we blended. So we were already very, lots of chaos just having four kids. The older two now are having kids. So I have my grandson, Juju, and then my middle daughter, Cassidy, is having her granddaughter. So I think we've achieved the dream of the white pick offense and 2.5 grandkids um so so I was helping watch him and I still help watch him here and there but it was two days a week I'd watch him and then after his mom got home I'd try to get my day job work in and then I homeschooled my son since prior to COVID so the 10 year old then we try to get his work in kind of in between all that and then I try every morning before everyone wakes up to get to my writing so I try to write morning and night and night is more just refresh it in the brain so my subconscious can work on it while I'm sleeping because that's my only alone time. The days where I'm not babysitting, I usually wake up. My son likes to sleep in a little, so I let him I write until 10, 11. And then I get him up, we homeschool. I, I do whatever I need to do um, for the for the side hustle here. And then um, I usually get back to writing. I try to get a scene chapter in a day, but I don't always hold myself to it just with all the chaos. As long as I get something in, I give it a thumbs up and move on. And you mm-hmm. write, well, the book we're going to talk about today is Without Expiration. And not having too much of a writing ability right now just with your schedule 
is probably okay when it comes to short stories, I think. You could probably get those out a little bit faster than novels. And we're going to talk about what you're currently working on in your whole schedule and everything. But first of all, let's talk about Without Expiration. Just tell our listeners, what is it about? So without expiration, so was really a journey. So um, like you mentioned, short stories. It's also that I have a short attention span. I know I should have one. I, I don't. Um, I'm sure I have one in the house, but not on me. I started writing the first story, and that was actually in a junior college class. It was Left to Soak as the first story I ever published. And so just over the years, I was writing and then um, publishing in literary journals kind of across the country. Some of them got some mild. I was a finalist for some awards and things like that, but always on the side. But you're right. It was a lot easier. I could get into one story and really focus on it mm-hmm. versus trying to get to a novel. I still love writing them. I still, like, even though I, I write novels now, I still stop and take breaks and write a couple of short stories and then come back to it. But what I what I found when I wanted to collect all of them into my own, you know, we use the term personal anthology for it. It was very hard to say if the people were good or bad. And right. and I think that's because I kind of believe that is I think most of us, you know, I think there's certainly very bad people and there's very good people, but most of us fall in that like, happy 95% in the middle. And we don't always know what we're thinking. We don't like, always know like all of our motivations because it, it's so complicated just to be a human, especially nowadays. And it was that ambiguity on what makes a good person versus a bad person. What does it feel like when someone we think is a good person does something wrong or someone does something wrong and then do we offer? some hope for redemption to it and all the stories kind of had that feel so there's some I cut I, okay. I actually tend to write lots of satire I actually cut a lot of satire satirical stories from the collection because they didn't quite fit in there's still one in there amen which is a wild absurdist um <laughs> yeah. satire but that's really the only one that kind of made the mix that's kind of the whole of it that's the question on the cover is are we good people that do bad things or bad people that do good things And all the stories kind of fit within that. I can relate to that mentality when you're reading it. It's like, would I do something like that? And you're like, no, I wouldn't do something like that. But then the story, (laughs) some of the stories play out that little tiny moment where you're like, oh, I'm I'm just so angry. I'm going to do this thing. If you're a good person, you're not going to do that thing. But the stories, the one that really hit me hard, which I really, really thought about after I had listened to it back in January. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you on the podcast was the Friendly Stranger story. And it really stuck with me because I get road rage. And so (laughs) I just related to it so hard. And I don't know why, but that was the story out of all 12 that just really stuck with me. And especially at the ending where I'm like, oh, that's, uh, I'm not going to say what happens because people have to read your book. But yeah, I can definitely understand where all that comes from. Well, and that's what I love about the collection is everyone gives me a different story. Yeah. Everyone goes, oh, a friendly stranger, Bermuda Triangle, a study of discontinuity. Mm-hmm. But what, I think what you'll find, though, because I commuted for a long time. So that story, it's a frustrated commuter in Southern California. That I actually noticed like six, seven times in there, I'm, I'm ranting about how that traffic is. <laughs> <laughs> noticed that as I was reading through it because I listened to it in January then I read through it this month and I was like there's a lot of driving stories in here (laughs) (laughs) and you know a lot of times when I was commuting because I had different times hour hour and a half commutes um Mm -hmm. before about five years ago even before I I switched down to part-time I 
I purposely took a job much closer to home where I only drove like 15, 20 minutes, which in Southern California is not even a commute. I, a, lot, a lot of the stories came to me as I was driving because I'm very prone to autopilot. So Oh, if, me too. <laughs> if, yeah, I just, I apologize everyone driving around me because I'm on autopilot. I don't, I, it's Tesla auto drive is already in my head. And I have all these ideas for stories. I always had my little recorders because I couldn't write and drive at the same time. So I'd record these stories. And it's probably wise that I'm always just like frustrated in traffic on some subconscious <laughs> level, like thinking of these things. The, the real irony here is that when I found your book, I was in my library app and I was looking for a book to listen to on my commute. And so that's how I actually read the book the first time it was while commuting. It's just, yeah. it's coming full circle now. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. We already talked a little bit about Friendly Stranger. If you've got road rage or you've got a long commute, definitely read <laughs> that one. But let's talk a little bit about the discontinuity. I can't say that word. Continuity. I always have to wrap my brain around it too. Discontinuity. <laughs> It's written as a research paper. So tell us the inspiration behind that. Tell us a little bit about the story and why you chose that type of writing style. That, so a lot of times I write and it's just, I challenge myself to do something. Very long ago, I was in a geology class and we had to read some research papers. And I was like, can I write a story like this? And what would that story be? And a lot of times what ends up happening is I have that idea and I, I leave everything sit for a while. And I have some other idea. And on their own, I'm not too excited. But then when I merge them up, I'm like, oh, that's it. It's happened at times, and no one's sure why exactly, but sometimes people lapse into a coma, maybe better said it's a persistent vegetative state, and they'll wake up, but then they'll fall back into the uh, vegetative state again. And I had heard about that, and that kind of sparked my imagination, and then those kind of merged up. Um, and it became, just as I was writing it, a very human story between the woman who was going into it and her husband, and kind of fracturing the relationship right before all of that happened. And then how, how do you come up with redemption in that scenario? How do you try to make some of appeasement? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, how am I going to use the footnotes to this? What is the, what is the meaning of it? There's certain things, I don't want to ruin for the people, but certain things that only happen in the footnotes. There's like kind of like a relationship only that carries on in the footnotes. It just kind of spurred the imagination in different ways. And I think that's what I liked about the challenges of it is I don't want to get, I don't want to start writing stale things or kind of the same things, come up with my own formula that I'm sticking to. So I always try to give them my, some hypothetical box I have, right? Like kids, it's like the floor is lava. So I'm always like, <laughs> the floor is lava, the couch is ice. And yeah, and I just figure out how I'm going about my day from there. That was very interesting to reread because I had listened to it first. So mm -hmm. listening to this story, I didn't see that, oh, this is a footnote. I just saw it within the actual story and it worked how the audio was read. You could tell it was kind of like a side note or like a thought process that was going through mm -hmm. the main character. And so when I listened to it, it had a completely different approach than when I read it physically. So that was really yeah. interesting to see. That is. That's interesting to hear because that was when I wasn't sure how I was going to translate to the audio book. And yeah. uh, the narrator, Darren Elliker, is like, I think I have an idea. Mm -hmm. You're okay with me rolling with it. I'm like, roll with it. Let's listen to it. And I did it and I was like, nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. Definitely. Um, it works. But it is interesting to see it on the page versus listening. That It's probably the biggest uh, difference in that collection. Yes, that one. And then the other one was labor pain because it jumps back and forth through time. And so mm -hmm. listening to it, unless you were really listening to the dates, 
you were yeah. like, wait a minute, this isn't adding up. And then rereading it as a paperback. I'm like, okay, that makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, sure. yep. And so that one, I'm really glad that I was able to reread it in paper because mm-hmm. that one gave it a whole different meaning to it when you can read mm-hmm. it in the correct yeah. order and understand it more so. But that one was really fun. So what story do, do people talk about the most out of this collection? That's hard. It kind of goes to my comment. Like, it, it seems like everyone kind of attaches to a different story. I think the one that, that gets the most questions is Amen. And people will be like, what, what was going on? They'll, they'll either love it or that's the one people will like also hate at times, yep. which is, makes it one of my favorite just because of that. I love that. I love it. I hate it. I'm like, hey, <laughs> that's my goal here. But that one, because it's, so that one started so many moons ago. I was in a creative writing class. And I mean, I'm probably 22. I'm 42 now so about 20 years ago mm-hmm. and they were talking third person omniscient first person this and I was like wait what would first person omniscient look like who would even tell that story and then I came to me like oh a god could tell that story but I didn't want to like make it like any particular god you know not mm-hmm. a Christian god or uh, you know any real god so I just made some satirical religion and and the god's kind of bumbling about because his you know, it's not actually said in there, it says there's ambiguity, but in my mind, his powers are failing because people are stopping believing in him. So he kind of starts getting things wrong. And so he's an unreliable narrator, third person <laughs> omniscient. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's a lot to follow along. It's, it, it echoes a lot of things, you know, so it plays on a lot of, you know, religious tropes and um, Catholicism and things like that. Hopefully in a fun way, I, it wasn't meant to be offensive in any way, but it, it echoes our world. But it's also, if you take it too seriously, it, it can be hard to understand and if you just let it play out you may you may get it or not yeah that mm-hmm. one was that one was a fun one to read okay so some of these stories if not all of them were published prior in like different situations so what was that like having those published and then bringing them into an anthology yeah it's funny when I first started writing them I really never had any thought of collecting them mm-hmm. so I was just writing the stories and then you know try to get them published and I think there's 12 stories in the collection I think about eight of them published previously and there really is no rhyme or reason you know I think it was just some I, some I tried harder to publish versus others but coming back to them when I was when I was looking at them that's why some of them a couple of stories I published I didn't include in the anthology because I didn't think they fit and so it became this looking at your past like 20 years of your writing past a very different person along those stages. Some of them even prior to having kids, which for me seems very strange. He's like, I've had kids now longer than I haven't. And so it was, it was, okay, here's no kids. This is, you know, teenager kids. Here's, you know, here's older. And then going about editing them together as I probably was, what, maybe 39-ish, right when I, when I went through the editing process for those. And it really became kind of archaeology of myself, right? It was like, what was I getting at with this? I wanted to still be true to that. But then how do I also how do I flesh that out a little? So I ha- kept having to go back to past me's and figuring out what I was thinking and what I was going for. And so it really became a real service of self-reflection. You call it a personal anthology. So are all of these stories from personal experience or are they just kind of made up? No, no, most of these are made up. Okay. The story that's closest to my personal life is actually But the Ripping Apart, which is the novel I published after without expiration. Okay. But like we mentioned, traffic. So there's a lot of things happen in my life that, that would kind of feed into them. And a lot of them best if used by teeth, labor pains, few mm-hmm. the stories when you're a new parent, especially a new parent, but I think all ages of being a parent, your greatest fear is losing a child. That comes out a lot. And I realized mm-hmm. looking at them as a whole, like how much terror there was in the background of my life at, at those times. I think as you get a little older, you start accepting 
you know, kind of ebbs and flows. It's still scary, but you start accepting it. It gets a little easier to live with on the day to day. But especially having young kids and being kind of a mess <laughs> as, a, as a person. And I was like, hell, I'm going to mess them up somehow. But you actually mentioned, let's kind of segue. It was a good segue. You brought up, but the ripping apart. So that is the full length novel that you've written. So mm-hmm. tell the listeners, what is that about? So my wife was uh, born in Hong Kong. They were actually sponsored by a church to come to America. So her family was Chinese living in Vietnam. And so with the, with the Civil War there, they kind of kicked out all the Chinese people. And you could go to Hong Kong and live there for a year. Then you could get sponsored to come to generally America or the UK. Her family kind of split up. Half the families in the UK and half the family ended up in America. When she had come over, she just spoke Cantonese. And so she had this really special third grade teacher that really kind of took her and her brothers in, even outside of school, kind of take them to go see things. And we were dating. She hadn't heard from her. She, she kept trying to call. It's a landline. So it just kept Going, beep, beep, beep. And so she's like, oh, will you go with me? I'm really worried something happened to her. I didn't want to go alone. The first scene of the book is very true to what happened that night is that we went, ironically enough, she had dropped her phone like beneath a stack of telephone books because um, the lady had become a compulsive hoarder. So you walked in and there's just mounds of trash. The overhead light was the only light. The light bulb had died and she never replaced it. So the only light was the light from the TV. Yeah, she literally lost her phone between beneath a stack of t- uh, telephone books. It was kind of seeing her, I realized, like at that stage of life, when you don't self-reflect, you can kind of think you're doing better than you are. And I think that's where I was. And it kind of woke me up a little that like, oh, I think I'm doing so well. I'm taking care of these kids. And then at the night I'm at the bar drinking and, you know, doing this risky behavior, just kind of you know, not dealing with um, emotional, mm-hmm. you know, emotional things. So from there, the story gets very fictionalized. I really, at the end of it, after all the editing and fictionalizing of the events afterwards, I, I feel very different than Jack is the, is the character. But it becomes about his journey to try to help her because he's kind of thrust into it from his girlfriends who are trying to help mm-hmm. her and they really have no idea how. It becomes about his self-reflection too, is that, oh, I'm trying to help someone. I'm not helping myself. And he has to kind of face his demons. Very cool concept. And I like that you took something from real life and kind of played with what could happen with characters mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, you do that with all of your stories. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's definitely a common theme there. And mm-hmm. then you have coming up releasing this fall is A Fire for Christmas. So tell us, what is that one about? So Fire for Christmas, that one actually started as a true story too. The very nexus okay. of this is there's, it's a collection of five short stories. I wanted to write it thinking I'm just going to write some kind of just fun, satirical Christmas stories. And I get always get too ambitious. So I kind of <laughs> ended up going further. The very first story and the reason I wanted to add the other ones to just put in the collection was that, so my dad was in the Air Force when I was first born and he went to college and he got out, but we didn't have much. And so one Christmas, I only got one toy. And actually the, the movie is coming out for the toy, Snake Eyes Origin. That was the only toy I wanted because this is the 80s, right? It's <laughs> afternoon cartoons. I'm all G.I and Transformers and I love Snake Eyes. I had a very unfortunate event with Snake Eyes and my older brother that's chronicled in the story. So I, I won't give the exact details, but Christmas Day didn't end up as planned. Oh no. Um, well, it somewhat did. I got the toy and then you see what happens from there. So I wrote that story, I think mostly to make my brother pay, you know, and I was going to just write four other stories, but then I had the idea of the pandemic hit. So I was writing this 2020. It was like, I just had this idea of someone that met a couple meeting at a, a writer's conference before the pandemic hit and then suddenly everything shut down. And so they start writing letters to each other, old fashioned letters, sending them in the mail. 
they start writing stories to each other, but then there starts being mishaps because he won't email because he thinks it's so romantic to send letters. And she's like, just Zoom me, you know? They both have their own writing style. So Lourdes is the, uh, she's the renowned holiday erotica writer. And then Jeff is this kind of struggling sci-fi writer and they write the stories to each other. So the challenges became, I had to think in Lourdes terms and write stories that were true to her and how she would write them. Right. And then Jeff, so... So it became kind of, now I need to get in his headspace, right into some other narrator's point of view. And then the stories kind of track along from the 80s, and it tracks to the 90s, the 2000s. Finally hits 2020, the very last story is set during the pandemic, Christmas. Well, talk <laughs> about a challenge. You said you like challenging yourself. That, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. I love wow. it. So of all of these works that you've created, and we'll talk about what you're currently working on in a second, but of all of these works, some are self-published, some are traditional. So you're called a hybrid author in the industry. So why did you decide to be hybrid and choose both routes? But the Ripping Apart had a different title prior and was published traditionally. And I had a really unfortunate experience with that publisher. It kind of languished with them for a few years, never really got anywhere. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get the rights back to it. And even if it doesn't do anything, I just want it to be truer to what my vision was for it. So I got it back, completely edited it myself again, got a new cover, hooked up with an editor to the copy editing and, and spent another year and a half working on it, which, wow. which was painful. It felt like uh, going back to school in a way. Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. I've graduated. Nope, you're back. You're <laughs> Backtracking. Now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it must have been worth it, though, knowing that now you have something out that is correct. And it's definitely something that every author should take into consideration when they're doing traditional is just because you're doing traditional doesn't mean it's going to be all right. rainbows and butterflies. There can mm -hmm. still be issues. So yeah, so now the other works, they're all self-published? Without expiration, a lot of the short stories were published traditionally. Mm -hmm. The collection I published independently. Fire for Christmas will be independent. The story I'm working on now, I may try to go traditional again. I, you know, because I think if you get a good experience with traditional, it can be very rewarding. You yes. get a lot of, you know, a lot of visibility and things. So I don't think my experience with that publisher's normal, probably more somewhere in between the good experience and that horrible experience. So I, I want to kind of mix the two. There's also, frankly, right, there's just profit margins with it. Like I don't right. write to make a lot of money, but I did figure out at one point they were selling it for $14.95 and every copy sold, I made, I think, it was 97 cents so and that's completely different when you self-publish it let's talk about this book that you're working on now because it's an idea that i haven't ever heard of and it's almost <laughs> like it's satirical fantasy in a way so Pirates of Appalachia, it's an epic absurdist satire set post-Trumpocalypse, which is a series of events not necessarily related to Trump, actually. And it's about a bootlegging band of pirates from West Virginia sailing the Ohio River to sack the city of Pittsburgh. And this is this is kind of set in a satirical future. The city of Pittsburgh is kind of the manifestation of our social media personas if they came to life. That's kind okay. of all the characters. And as the story goes, they almost have to come back to humanity. Meanwhile, there's this this doom of these kind of goofy pirates coming down just to sack the city so it's fantasy elements to it there's actually a drone strike arcade which is the number one esport that everyone goes to you go to the <laughs> drone strike arcade and you're actually flying drones literally a world away it's kind of a fantasy world they're flying them in all those elements combine the fantasy there's geopolitical intrigue america's completely split apart and there's independent city states 
And so Pittsburgh's the biggest independent city state. They they didn't know what gubernatorial stood for gubernatorial, so it's the goober. So they're they're battling to be the goober and decide who gets to spend the city's debt, which way. It's fun. It's huge. It's epic for sure. And it's a complete 180 from what you've been writing, which is more of like the true to life kind of situations. It's it's way more exciting. Every day is a challenge. I swear every week or two, I just think this is madness. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> But that actually encourages me that I'm writing the right thing. Because if I never think like, oh, am I even capable of doing this? I'm like, well, I'm not challenging myself enough to kind of doubt myself in the process to know I'm doing the right thing. It's also freeing. True to life, it needs to be very true to life. Like, you know, we can't suddenly have uh, mermaids floating around you right. know, wreaking havoc on a pirate <laughs> ship. You know? That's in the Ohio River, you know? So there's, <laughs> there's a, a freedom of imagination that is just really fun. But I still wanted it to be human. So all the characters, there's real consequence to what they do. So even though it's this absurd things happen, there's a real consequence to the people and then they have to deal with it. It's kind of combines them, but in this just wild, outlandish, completely freeing way. So it's, it's you know, they always say like a story needs to be plausible to the world you created. Well, everything's plausible in this world. So <laughs> it's no holds barred. So it, it's been fun. It's been long. It's seven or eight years I've been working on it. And yeah, there's so many amazing things that are coming from you. I'm excited for our listeners to be able to hear about them and hear about you. But this wouldn't be Read With Whiskey without talking a little bit about whiskey. So <laughs> tell us, Bill, so, what is your can, favorite can whiskey? Can we see? I don't know if everyone can see the... Yes, the, the whole lineup is there. It is, it's a lineup. I don't think... The only thing there is there's a bottle of vodka because my wife likes Grey Goose. <laughs> and and there is two bottles of rum up there in special decanters. They're, they're kind of actually pirate themed. I love old fashions, mm-hmm. like too much. Um <laughs> And so I, you know, when I make them at home, I do a lot of bullet, bullet rye or bullet mm-hmm. the bourbon. So I do a lot of bullet. My favorite though, because I love sipping them as well. Not that I take flasks into movie theaters, like when you watch Cruella, because that would just be not very adult, adults, you know, <laughs> but say if I was to do that, um, Uncle Nearest is a really great sipping whiskey. There's also one called Navigator that I found that's aged in red wine barrels. It's really good. It's really smooth. It has a kind of peppery, um, almost like a cavern kind of finish to it. So those are my advices at the moment. Where can they find you? Where can our listeners find you, find your books, get to know more about you? I have a website, which has a bunch of videos. There's an author video also featuring the bar where actually I go over a bunch of stuff on the bar. That's William R. like Ratatouille, NC. So it's myname.com. You can find all my books there. There's a bunch of free stories on there as well, but you can find everything you want about me on there. I only do Twitter and Instagram. You can find me. It's WR Hensi. So again, my name. And uh, for your listeners, I was going to announce it today. So whenever this comes out, I am going to be doing a raffle. So I'll be raffling off this special, uh, no, can Ooh. you see it okay? Yeah. Yes. It's a decanter with a pirate ship in it. That's it's, so um, cool. Yeah, it's in honor of uh, Pirates of Caribbean. So I'll raffling this and a uh, $200 gift card off. So anyone that wants to join in the raffle, I'll have complete details on my website. Essentially, you can join kind of one of three ways. You can send me an email on my website, just contact form, say raffle me up um, <laughs> or follow me Instagram or, or Twitter and, and send me a message there as well. And then that'll actually give you three entries. And the more entries there is, the I'll keep increasing that, that dollar amount. And if someone's local, I'll happily fill this up and we'll, we'll have a spot of whiskey together. <laughs> well, awesome. Yes. The raffle sounds exciting. Definitely everybody go. There will be links in the podcast show notes, but Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. I had so much fun getting to know you a little bit more and getting to talk about your too. books. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. It was a great time. 
so excited that I was able to talk to Bill all about his book, well, multiple books. We talked about all of them and all of them have such interesting premises that I think people will really latch onto. I think everything that he writes is definitely inspirational and it makes you think rather than just read the book and forget about it. It really sticks with you. So if you guys have not read the book yet, go and grab it. There's a link in the podcast notes. So go ahead and get this book and then stay tuned for all of his upcoming stuff. As for giveaways, so he told you that he has a giveaway on his own website and you definitely want to check that out. There is cash gift cards and there is a really cool bottle with a ship in it and oh, I wish you could see it, but this is just audio here on the podcast. <laughs> if you are a patron member, when the video content comes up, you'll be able to see how cool this thing is. But also, there's going to be a giveaway on my Instagram. Go to Instagram at readitwithwhiskey and you can enter to win a copy of Without Expiration, this personal anthology of short stories by William R. Hinsey. So go ahead and check out that Instagram post, follow the instructions on that post, and you could go home with a copy of his book. Super duper exciting. All right, what's happening next week? You guys, next week is the finale of the Read It With Whiskey podcast season one. This is huge. This is so exciting. And it's only just the beginning of what Read It With Whiskey is going to bring you in the future. But I'm really excited about the guests that we have on for our final episode of season one. We have Nova McBee, and we are going to talk about her book, Calculated. If you guys hadn't heard, Nova McBee's book, Calculated, is going to be made into a movie. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for her. I'm so excited for just to talk to her about her book and see it come into film. This is huge for any author who has a dream of bringing their book to the live screen. She is there. She has created this possibility for herself. And I'm so excited to talk to her about it. So stay tuned. Next week, next Tuesday, we will be talking with Nova McBee all about her book, Calculated, and you do not want to miss this one. I will talk to you then. (laughs) 